Lord Jesus, your disciples said to you, teach us to pray. And you did. And our prayer this evening is that you will teach us to pray by your word and in the power of your spirit. Amen. Okay, intercession. Um, There is a handout, but you actually kind of won't need it. Um, I'm not going to ban you from looking at it, but you won't need it to to do this bit. But I've put it together as as some notes for you to look back on at the end and some some pointers. Um, Just as a bit of a roadmap, I'm going to look very briefly at how we're going to define prayers of intercession, what some of the problems are with prayers of intercession. Then we'll look at why we do it. Uh, we'll look at the question of prayer and God's will, how those two things are related. Uh, we'll consider our role, and I'd like to give you a picture and a model for what our role is in intercession. And I think it's really important we get down to some practicalities. So the last bit of the teaching will be about some of the practicalities of intercession, and then we'll actually do some uh, before we go, because it would be really naughty to, to talk about it and not, not do some. Um, Mainly, I want to talk about and us to think about our own personal prayers of intercession. So uh, we have corporate prayers, we have prayer meetings, we have prayers in church. Uh, of course, not, not here and not in, in your churches if you come somewhere else, but I usually find prayers of intercession quite boring in church because uh, it's usually a list. Um, and uh, what I want to do this evening is get us away from the idea of prayers of intercession being my, my list. I think I'm allowed to say that as a curate. I'm probably not allowed to say that as a rector. But um, um, I'll find out tomorrow morning. Um, def- what, I, what, we, what we mean about prayers of intercession, there'll be lots of fancy definitions, but what we mean is asking prayers. So what we're looking at, prayer is a huge subject, and we could spend not an evening, not a day, we could spend a week on prayer, and, and there are various sort of courses on prayer. And we want to, want to narrow it down, link to spiritual warfare, and our need and to, uh, to do asking prayers. Please, God, will you? Uh, and that's what, um, uh, that's what I'm going to look at. Now, I think we have to admit right up front that this is a problem area so, so who finds prayers and prayers of intercession easy? Hands up if you find it easy. So I suspect we have, I don't know, five, six hundred collective years worth of Christian experience in the room. Um, and we have one tentative hand, so maybe we find it, find it easy. Um, problems with prayers of intercession, I think there are two problems. Um, uh, broadly. One is we don't think we're very good at it and we spend an awful lot of time feeling guilty that we don't do it more and we don't do it better. And then the second problem is all of us carry the burden. Anyone that has prayed, and that is all of us in this room, carries the burden of unanswered prayer or prayer that was answered in a way that we didn't really you know, want to open up when we asked the prayer in the first place. Um, and I also want to very sensitively recognise that some, you know, maybe some, maybe most people here tonight will carry that burden of an un- unanswered prayer or an, a not yet answered prayer or a prayer which hasn't been answered in the way that we prayed it. And I want to just allow us to think about that as well. So why do we say prayers of intercession? Any, any idea? What, what, why do we do it? It's something we all do. Why? 
Why do we do it? To change a situation. Thank you. else these are all good good answers and I think there are there are other there are other ones as well maybe yeah I think that's really important I think we're called to be in relationship with other people and part of the way we can be in relationship with them is is praying for them and, and with them yeah And a couple of others on my list is because we were told to. Um, and also, as well as relationship with other people, I think it's also about fostering our relationship with God. That is time spent with God. And that can only mean kind of fostering our relationship. Uh, there's a quote on your, on your handout. Um, Henri Nouwen, who is good on this stuff, um, says, Prayer requires that we stand in God's presence with open hands, naked and vulnerable, proclaiming to ourselves and to others that without God, we can do nothing. Naked and vulnerable, proclaiming to ourselves and to other people that without God, we can do nothing. And that really doesn't capture that this strange tension that prayer is something we need to do and we want to do and and we can't live without prayer once we know that it exists but at the same time it's a horribly vulnerable thing to do because as soon as you pray god please will this happen you open yourself up to the possibility that it doesn't and so you've got something that you're urged you've got this kind of urge to do everyone has an urge to pray particularly when you're when you're desperate but almost the more desperate you are, the more vulnerable you are in, in praying. So there's that really strange kind of tension, which is a bit of spiritual warfare that's going on inside us as, as well. Um, we're going to look at a couple of Bible passages together, and we're going to look at a couple of really odd Bible passages together um, that you know, at the end of Paul's letters, he always has these bits where he says hello to his friends and, and stuff. And we, and we, you know, how many sermons have you ever heard on bits of, at the end of Paul's letter where he says hello to his friends? Um, so we're going to have a look at a bit of, well, it's a bit before that, at the end of Romans. Could you turn to Romans 15, 30 to 33, which in the church Bibles is on 11, page 1142. And this comes at an end of a section in, in Romans where Paul is talking about his travel plans and his desire to come to Rome. You remember, he's written Romans having never actually, never actually met the people that he's writing to. He's got this great urge to go to Rome. And in, from, from 1523 onwards, he's setting out his, his, his plans. He's going to go to Jerusalem first. And then he's really hoping to come to Rome. Um, and I'm just going to read you verses 30 to 33. And I'm going to think a bit about that, how that ties into prayers of intercession. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, 
to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Did you notice um, verse 30, prayer as struggle? I urge you, brothers and sisters, to join join me in my struggle by praying. And that links again to spiritual warfare. There is a sense in which when we are praying, we are struggling and we are struggling with the devil. We are, we are struggling against, you've got that image in the Old Testament, really famous image of Jacob wrestling in prayer. And you've got, and part of what prayer is, 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 is a wrestle, it's a struggle. You know, will the prayer, you know, who, whose will will be done in, 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 in this? But there's also, I think, the sense in which prayer is a struggle in that it is hard work. And I think we all know that, and Paul knew that. Prayer is, please, brothers in Rome, hundreds of miles away, join in my struggle and pray. Um, In this passage, uh, there are three prayers of intercession. Can you spot the three prayers of intercession in in those four verses? Yep, thank you, Dave. Two others. Yeah, to the saints, to the believe, to the believers. So, rescue from the unbelievers, and that his service will be acceptable to the believers. And then there's one more. Sorry. Yeah. So that by God's will I may come to you. So he's praying, firstly that um, he'll be. Uh, delivered from the unbelievers, he's going to go. But he's going to Jerusalem, and he knows there's opposition from from uh, hardline uh, uh, Jewish authorities there, and he's asking that the the Christians in Rome will pray that he'll be delivered from that. He is asking that his service in Jerusalem will be acceptable to the saints, and I think that do you, do you remember Paul goes round with a collection? Uh, for the church in Jerusalem. So I think what he's praying for there is that he's made this collection and that will be acceptable to the Jerusalem church. And that's important because if the collection is acceptable, then his mission to the Gentiles is acceptable because it's those that he's done the collection from. And then thirdly, he is asking uh, for them to pray that he will be able to come to Rome. I will come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. So three prayers of intercession. So... Paul opens all of his letters by saying that he's praying for the readers. But notice here how Paul is not slow to ask for prayers for himself. So he is modelling both sides of this, you know, of, of, of this equation of prayers of intercession. He is, he is interceding for others and he is asking, um, urging, not even asking, he's urging the people he's never met to intercede for him. Now, 
These prayers of intercession are, the, the reason that I picked out this passage is, is not so much because it's, uh, and we'll come back to, to these three prayers in a minute actually. One of the, one of the things that is really interesting about these three prayers is that one of them is qualified by if it's God's will. And the other two and, and the other two are not. So the third prayer, so that by God's will I may come to you. So his ask for prayer that he may come to, to, to Rome is qualified by if it's God. Now, I, you, you will have moved in Christian circles a lot and you will have heard people that all the time put at the end of their prayer, if it's God's will. And probably a lot of us have struggled, particularly with unanswered prayer, with what was God's will. And if my prayer hasn't been answered, does that mean it wasn't God's will? And if it wasn't God's will, then why did he let me pray it in the first place? And what's kind of going, what's going on there? And I think an understanding of the will of God is really important in how we tackle spiritual warfare and how we intercede. Because if we don't understand the will, not we, if we don't understand what the will of God actually is and what our place relative to it is, then we're, we're kind of praying with one hand uh, behind our back. Uh, the other thing is that the will of God is incredibly poorly understood in the church today. Really badly understood. Um, there are two aspects to the will of God. What you might call God's general will and God's particular will. So God's general will is that which we know always to be true. That is God's purposes for his creation, for humanity, uh, for salvation and redemption. And that will is revealed in scripture. We're going to come. Are we doing the word of God next time? We are. So we will talk a lot next time. Not just for a couple of minutes. I am even, right? <laughs> okay. Right. God's general will is that which is revealed in Scripture. Now, the important thing about that and our prayer, um, so an example of that is God's desire for Christians to grow in maturity and to become more like Christ. That is something that God has revealed in his word with no caveats, with no bones about it. It happens a number of times in Scripture. That is God's general will for his people, that means that we can pray for that without qualification. If I'm praying for an increase in maturity and in growth and to become more Christ-like, either for myself or for Ernie or for anybody, then I don't need to say if it's your will, because it is your will, because it's revealed in Scripture. And I actually need to be praying that. Now, what isn't revealed in Scripture is a lot of particular details about my and your life, what job I'm going to do, who I'm going to be in relationship with, who I'm going to fall out of relationship with, um, what colour I need to paint my bathroom. Um, that is not in Scripture. God has will, a will for... Well, I think he probably does have a will for the colour of my bathroom, but um, he certainly has a will for the other stuff. But it's not revealed to me. So if I'm going to pray about that, and it's an aspect of his particular will, then I need to pray, thy will be done. 
all of my prayers that are for things which are specific to my life or somebody else's life or to a country, to a nation, to a, to a local church community, which is not revealed in Scripture. I am asked to pray for that. I am told to pray for that, but I need to qualify that, either verbally or at least in my mind, with thy will be done. And notice how Paul does that. So it's part of God's particular will for Paul, whether he goes to Rome or not, and when he goes and how he goes. And therefore Paul qualifies that prayer. And when we get our heads around that, we start to get our heads around what, where we stand in prayer relative to the will of God. And we don't pray to change God's mind. We don't pray to nudge him to a slightly different position to the one that he had a few minutes ago. We pray to align our will with his general or particular will. And the more that we pray, the closer we are. So that's why the purposes of prayer are about relationship with other people and relationship with God. And as we pray in relation to other people, we get closer to God and our will becomes closer to the general and particular will of God. And more of our prayers will be answered. And we will move on in spiritual warfare. We will be able to move from standing to advancing. John Stott puts it this way. Um, God's good news for the world is the book. The purpose of prayer is emphatically not to bend God's will to ours, but rather to align our will to his. Before we leave Romans 15, were Paul's three prayers answered? Anybody? Anybody got an Anybody got any? So uh, prayer one was that he would be um, delivered from the unbelievers. Well, kind of yes and no, I suppose. So he wasn't killed by the unbelievers, but he was lynched by them, and he needed, you know, Roman centurions to come and rescue him. So in a sense, he was delivered from unbelievers, but only by the skin of his teeth. Um, so that's a bit of a kind of a yes and a no. Was his uh, collection from the Gentile churches acceptable to the saints? We don't know. Because rather oddly, Luke makes an awful lot in Acts about him building up the collection, but says nothing about what happens when he hands the cash over. Um, so we actually don't know. And isn't that a truth, that sometimes we pray and we don't know whether it was answered or not? Um, and there's an example in the Bible of a prayer we actually don't know what the answer was. We can have a guess, but it is only a guess. We don't know. Uh, and then about coming to Rome, well, that's a kind of a no and yes, isn't it? So he didn't come to Rome in the way that he was asking people to pray that he would come to Rome. He came to Rome having, you know, three years later, having been arrested, having put on trial, um, having put on a ship, having been shipwrecked off Malta, that was when he asked the Romans to pray, if it's God's will, he didn't, I don't think, wanted, you know, was expecting that answer to prayer. So there is another prayer. So Paul urges people to pray. Some of them get answered. They all get answered. Some of them get answered the way he wanted them to be answered. Some of them get answered in a slightly different route, and some of them we just don't know. And I think that's, that's really interesting puts my struggles with prayer in a bit of context.
Um, okay, second piece of scripture, the book of Habakkuk. Fantastic book in the Bible. Hopefully one day we'll have a sermon series here on Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk is, oh sorry, um, 941. I had my bookmark. <laughs> and I realised we might be here quite a long time. <laughs> Page 941. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, so this is the prophet. And in a minute I'll just say a little bit about what's going, what's going on here. But Habakkuk 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand at my watchtower and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what God will say to me and what answer I am to give to this my complaint. Then the Lord replied. So, um, what's going on? In, so, so Habakkuk um, is, is a prophet who is complaining to God about the sinfulness of the Israelites. Um, and so, what happens in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, is Habakkuk's complaint. God, these people of yours, they're full of sin, they're full of rebellion. Come on, why don't you do something about it? Uh, Habakkuk 1, 5 to 11 is God's answer. If anybody ever comes up to you in the street and wants to know, does God answer prayers, point them to Habakkuk 1, verse 5. He'll give you the advantage, he'll give you 20 minutes to think of a, a longer answer while they look for Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Uh, but um, Habakkuk 1, verse 5, God says to Habakkuk in answer to his complaint, look at the nations, watch, be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days. Habakkuk has prayed his prayer of complaint, and God says, watch, I'm going to do something in your days. I am answering your prayer. That the problem is that God answers the prayer in the way that Habakkuk doesn't really like. He's going to have the Chaldeans come and... and um, uh, run over the uh, the Israelites. So Habakkuk, in a I don't know how he does this, has a second go at God in in verse twelve onwards. Um, come on, God, surely you're not going to do that. And then you get where I read chapter two, verse one. I will stand at my watchtower, station myself on the ramparts, and look and see what God will say to me. The watchtower. So. Old Testament Israel would have been full of watchtowers. Um, everything, everything of property needed protecting. Uh, so these aren't just city walls, or they would have been city walls. There'd have been towers over, over over all the vineyards and all the farms. And the idea is that Habakkuk goes up the tower and looks out to see what God will do. And here is a model, I think, for our role in intercession. And it's not the model that most of us, including me, start intercession thinking that we're doing. The model here is of going up a tower and watching the world and seeing what God reveals to us. It's about watching and waiting. Most of us think that prayer is about talking and doing. And actually, prayers of, even prayers of intercession are about talking and doing and lists. And where's my prayer list? And I'm going to read it out because God didn't hear it yesterday. So I'm going to read it out again. 
And this piece of Old Testament scripture says the model of intercessory prayer is actually to begin not by talking, but by watching and waiting and see what God is doing and see what he is saying. And then we can align our will to his. And then we know what to pray. Um, we're going to do some. We're going to do some praying, but I want to talk about practicalities. How do we do it? If you're struggling with the practicalities of of, of prayer, um, three ways. Always three. You know that. Um, and I think there is value in trying to encompass all of these three in your um, intercessory prayer life to different extents. Um, quiet time arrow prayers, and walking or retreating. So quiet time is that time you set aside every day in the place you go every day to every day read God's word and pray. And there is no greater privilege as a Christian than to do that. And there is no greater act of obedience as a Christian to do that. And then none of us do it every day. So don't feel guilty. Um, But that is a fantastic thing to, to be able to do. In the place that works for you and for amount of time that works for you, um, there is no, uh, there are no extra points for doing it for 35 minutes. Um, arrow prayers, uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 4, um, Nehemiah in front of, 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 of the king of Persia, you look glum, Nehemiah, what do you want me to do? And the Bible says, and Nehemiah prayed to God and then he answered the king. So it's that kind of, I'm in the moment, God help me, it's an asking prayer, but it's kind of, and it takes practice. Because it's not usually, as human beings, our first, you know, our, our natural thing is to go to ourselves. And the unnatural thing is to go to God. But the more you do it, the more you get used to doing it. Uh, and God answers those prayers. And I think that those, that regular and that quick needs to be balanced by an irregular slow. And for you, that might be a walk once a month. It might be a retreat, might be led by somebody else. It might be going away for a day. It might be going to the top of a mountain. Um, it's space where you really aren't constrained by time and place. Uh, and, and, and you can pray. We covered a lot in a short time. Any questions before we move on? Any burning? Or anybody disagree with anything that we've talked about? Yeah. Having a list no. that you go through every day. No. And every time you become like a ritual. And I've read somewhere if you're not careful, it's not you talking to God, it's you talking to yourself. But it seems to me that there is a need to constantly pray for certain things and certain people on a very regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thank you for raising that because I've. I've, I've, if it helps you, 
So God doesn't need your list, I think. Is the, it's, so if, if you need your list, or if any of us need it, then it's a good thing. And it's also a thing, that particularly if people, if you, if you start praying and you invite other people to ask you to pray for things, I think there's nothing worse than somebody asking me to pray for, for them or for their sister or, and then me forgetting. I mean, that's, that's awful to them and it's awful to God. Um, so, so yes, I think what I would say is where does that list, the, the, the temptation is I start praying and I read my list and then I, I'm done. And I think that the list needs to come, go be shoved back a bit because the watching and waiting before the list, because actually that will inform the list as, as, as well. Yeah, yeah. Barbara, yeah. Um, what I'd like to invite everybody to do for the next five minutes, I'm going to give you a choice of two activities, and you might like just to spread out around the church for this. Um, choice of two, because whatever's kind of more helpful for you. So uh, option one is on your own. Uh, just think about what we've been talking about and what's been going on in your mind in the notes that you've made, and what are you and what am I going to do differently in terms of intercessory prayer? as a result of what's been going through my mind today. And I would suggest you write that down and you become intentional about it. So that's option one. If, if kind of doing that now isn't your thing and you, just, and you need like tomorrow or next weekend to do that, then I would invite you to spread out around the church and spend five minutes in intercessory prayer on your own, quietly. We might have a bit of music just playing in the background just to break up the the sense of who's around. And then I'm going to call us all back together again in five minutes and we'll actually pray very quickly together uh, as a group. So I think it's important that we do that as well. Okay, five minutes. Experience, if, if nothing else, that, that this topic throws up issues and we, you know, we haven't, we haven't had time to talk about that unanswered prayer. We'll come on to a bit of that a little bit later on in, in the course. But as, as always with, with these sessions, if there is something personal to you that this evening has, has, has thrown up, then come and find me or Gary or, or Rick or who, the, you know, the mature Christian person that you would, you would normally go to. Um, don't, you know, do that tonight or do that tomorrow. Don't leave, don't leave that stuff, um, for, for too long because we're in a spiritual battle. Um, and one of the tools that the devil uses is to take our hurts and our unanswered prayers. Um, and then fester all kind of lies about who God is as a result of those. So don't let that happen in your own life as a result of what we've been um, talking about this evening, please. Um, 
most of the time we've been talking, I've been talking about personal uh, prayers of, of, of intercession. I thought it would be good as we close. We've had, you know, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. We've been talking about intercession. We walk this journey to some extent on our own, and we walk this journey to a large extent as as the body of Christ together. So I thought it would be good for the last two or three minutes um, before Gary closes, actually for us to have a joint now time of, of intercession. And I'd like us particularly, so pray pray quietly, pray out loud, uh, pray when no one else is speaking, pray out loud when someone else is speaking, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, and I'd like us particularly to focus our prayers on building each other, to asking prayers which build each other up in this discipline of intercessory prayer and in the light of spiritual warfare. So I'd like us to pray for each other about what we've been talking about tonight. And then do that as you are led, um, do that as you want to, aloud or quietly, and then I will close in, in a few minutes' time and, and ask Gary to come and close uh, the evening. And I pray that we will take these thoughts and these meditations and these notes and this experience and through it you will work to align our wills more closely to yours. Please stand with us, Lord, tonight and in the week ahead and in all things, Lord, thy will be done. Amen. So just uh, on your behalf to thank especially uh, Vic and Chris and uh, Barbara uh, for all they've uh, brought to us tonight. Uh, go away, I trust, uh, encouraged and uh, uh, provoked in the right way and uh, strengthened uh, in the task and the battle and our praying. Just to say um, on... Uh, that uh, sort of opening sheet on the back there, there's some questions for reflection again for you in your uh, smaller groups. Um, I hope uh, you're finding time to meet and be encouraged in those ways. We've now got, I think, sort of like five weeks before the next one because it's the third Monday in March. So to uh, encourage you in that, um, there's one or two uh, recommended books there. Uh, that you can get off Amazon or what have you if you want to. A number of them are here uh, as well if you want to have a quick look at them. Um, but uh, have a word with me if you really want to take one away. But uh, the idea is you, you get them. They're just there at the moment and we can uh, see. We can definitely pass one out, but I can't pass any more than one out uh, uh, to you. So have a look at those that link into both bit of spiritual warfare, intercession and prayer in a much wider sense. Obviously we were having a more narrow focus uh, tonight. Also one of your sheets just has some Bible verses on uh, that uh, can be good for meditating and reflecting upon in this whole area uh, as well. So uh, that's all to say. Um, apart from finally... Um, 
If you want to stay just for a few minutes practically, I've got to get this church set up for the wedding on Saturday. So uh, there's going to be a bit of chair moving. It's sort of these ones here at an angle. We're going to put some down here. Don't, if you've got to get off, that's fine. If there's just three or four of us, it won't take us uh, that long. Uh, so uh, I know many of you need to get off straight away. So please do. But if there's three or four of us, we'll sort those out. Thank you again, and uh, God's speed and blessing with you.